Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. I speak to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder if you've ever had a mountaintop experience. Some of you, I'm sure, have had a literal mountaintop experience. Kyle and I enjoy hiking, and I have to say there's something truly breathtaking about reaching the top of a peak when the vista opens up and you can see for miles and miles. For a moment, the cares of the world fall away, and you feel a profound sense of connection connection to God, to nature, to the loved one you've made the ascent with, to your own body. We might try to capture that feeling by snapping a picture with our phone so we can post it on Facebook later. But we all know that we can't stay on the mountain forever. And even if that feeling of connection lingers for a day or a week or even a month, we're eventually overwhelmed again by the drudgery and tragedy of life. Some of my own most memorable mountaintop experiences didn't even happen on the top of a mountain, though. When I was in high school, my youth leaders used to talk about camp as a mountaintop experience, and I lived for camp. It was just one week every summer, but it was the best week of the year by far. And when I got to university, I became a volunteer youth leader, and so I had the joy and the privilege of taking my own students to camp so they could have the same experience as I did. Now, don't get me wrong. Part of what made camp so incredible was the rock climbing, the mountain biking, canoeing and sailing, the water slide and ropes course. But that wasn't it. That wasn't what made it such a mountaintop experience for so many teenagers, myself included. Camp was a place where we felt a profound sense of connection to God, to nature, to our friends and leaders, and to ourselves. God never felt so real to us as God did when we were at camp. It was as if the grounds of the camp were pulsing with the presence of God. I saw young people come to camp as atheists and leave as believers because at camp God was undeniably real. I saw young people who grew up in church have their first true encounter with God at camp because there you could feel palpably the transformative power of God's presence everywhere you went. But, and this is important, leaving was painfully difficult for so many young people. I heard so many of them over the years make jokes that weren't really jokes about wanting to live at camp forever. They said they'd never go home. They'd just stay there on that mountaintop. And it would be easy as adults to treat this as a childish impulse. But I would caution 
against that because when some young people left camp, they returned to really tough lives, or at least really tough seasons in their lives. Some of them were returning to fractured or fracturing families. Some of them knew that bullies and social isolation would be waiting for them when they got home. Some of them were failing in school, and they knew that going home involved confronting disappointed parents and their own sense of inadequacy. What they wanted to know was whether God would go with them when they left camp, whether God would be with them when they returned home, whether God would be with them in the valley and on the journey, or whether God just lived at camp, whether God just lived on the mountaintop. Some of them felt that by leaving the mountaintop, they were leaving the only place where they've ever found God. They felt they were leaving the only place where they've ever encountered the transforming power of God's presence. So it's understandable why they wanted to cling to that mountaintop experience. And I hope understanding that feeling can help us understand why Peter, during his own mountaintop experience, told Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here on the mountain. Let us make three dwellings here on the mountain. Before they went up on the mountain, Jesus told Peter about the road ahead, the road on the other side of the mountain, that journey to Jerusalem where Jesus would experience rejection, suffering, and death. So it's no wonder that Peter wanted to remain with Jesus on the mountain. Leaving the mountain meant beginning that slow march to Jerusalem. Leaving the mountain meant facing up to the harsh reality of the cross. And so Peter wanted to cling to the transcendent experience of a glorified Jesus on the mountain. But this desire of Peter's to remain with Jesus on the mountain misunderstands what the mountaintop experience is all about. Because Jesus doesn't remain on the mountain. And if we are to be his disciples, neither can we. The mountaintop experience can play an important role in the life of faith, but if we cling to it, we risk making it into an idol. God calls us up the mountain to clarify our vision, to prepare and sustain us for the road ahead. But then God calls us down the mountain to join Jesus on his journey to Jerusalem. This is why, as a church, we read the story of this mountaintop experience on the Sunday before Lent. Today, with Peter John and James, we gaze upon a glorified Jesus. We're told that the disciples look at Jesus and see his glory. The Gospel of Luke, toward the end of the book, describes the resurrection and ascension of Jesus as his entry into glory and tells us 
that one day Jesus will come again in glory. So when the disciples see the glory of Jesus on that mountain, God is offering them and offering us a foretaste of the resurrection, ascension, and second coming of Jesus. When Lent begins this Wednesday, we'll come down the mountain to accompany Jesus on his journey to Jerusalem, our eyes fixed on the cross. But today we're invited to join Jesus on the mountain so we can look across the valley of Lent to Easter and beyond. We're invited to take a moment before Lent to consider anew the transforming power of God's glory. And if we've ever needed the perspective of a mountaintop experience, this might be the week. As a local community, we're reeling from the death of a beloved husband, father, and friend. As members of the global community, we were horrified and outraged as we woke up on Thursday to images of displacement, destruction, and death in Ukraine. We have much to lament, and as we don ashes on Wednesday, we'll confess our sins and embrace our mortality. We'll shed tears over our own brokenness and the brokenness of the world, and we'll sit with our victimized brothers and sisters and repent of our complicity in their suffering. But today, let me invite you if only for a moment, to join Peter, John, and James as they behold the glory of Jesus on the mountain. Not to put down dwellings, not to escape our responsibility to our neighbors and to the world. We won't stay here, up on this mountain. Jesus won't let us. But we will take some time to remember that the story doesn't end with the cross. Sin and death won't get the last word. Already, as we behold the glory of God in Christ, we are being transformed from brokenness to wholeness. And despite all appearances to the contrary, when Jesus returns in glory, the whole earth will be transformed from brokenness to wholeness. Even now, the glory of God is at work in the world, transforming lives and communities. It's not always easy to see it when we're down in the valley. And so the mountaintop moments, moments of clarity and vision, moments when we feel a profound sense of connection to God are gifts from God to sustain us. I would encourage you to think back on your own mountaintop experiences to draw deeply from them as you travel the road to Jerusalem. In the words of Henry Nouwen, that great Catholic spiritual writer, and here I quote, these moments are given to us so that we can remember them when God seems far away and everything appears empty and useless. These mountaintop experiences are true moments of grace. Now I won't pretend that I always had the right words for my students when they expressed apprehension or even fear about the return home from camp. Sometimes their 
just are no right words. What can you say when a student has a profound encounter with God at camp, but now has to go home and face the school bully, disappointed parents, or a fractured family? What do you tell a hurting family mourning the death of a loved one, or a hurting world lamenting lives uprooted and snuffed out by military aggression? What do we tell ourselves? Words certainly fail. But let me try anyway, as I bring this to a close. What I would say to them, and what I say to you now, is this. Jesus doesn't live on the mountain, though he will meet you there to offer you sustenance, rest, perspective, and hope. But when you come down the mountain, as we all must, Jesus is there to meet you in the valley and accompany you on the journey. The glory of God in Jesus descends into the depths of our brokenness and the brokenness of our world. And just as the appearance of Jesus was transformed on the mountain, so too we and the world are being and will be transformed and restored to wholeness. May the God, may God give us eyes to see the glory of Jesus, not just on the mountain, but in the valley, illuminating with his radiant light even the darkest corners of our hearts and the darkest corners of our world. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.